You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Somber episode this week after the Ravens suffer their first defeat in over a month. We have plenty to talk about this game specifically with the Ravens on a bye next week. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts, starting with uh, Jace Evans on the West Coast. Jace, a tough, maybe uh, reality check for the Ravens in Baltimore this past weekend. Yeah, Antonio, this game left me far more existential uh, feeling, uh, just contemplating this season and this team than it should have. Uh, And of course, I woke up to a nice rainy day uh, today in Los Angeles, the place that famously never rains, but uh, it knew uh, the world, the universe knew how I was feeling about the Ravens and just gave us a good, uh, you know, four to six inches to uh, (laughs) to, to just dump on uh, our heads today. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's a bummer way to head into the bye. A lot of good. A lot of bad. We'll get into it um, on the season as a whole. More so bad this game. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, Ravens 5-2, and two, big picture, can't complain too much. But uh, yesterday, uh, Sunday, was very rough. We could spend the next hour talking about 41-17. Or we could spend the next hour talking about our addition to the Pod Like a Raven family. And I'm going to turn to the East Coast, Tim, Tim Horsey. It's not just you in the in the booth today. Big news coming out of Pod Like a Raven, but more importantly, coming out of Tim Horsey's apartment. Yeah, I, some people get pandemic puppies. I get Ravens lost puppies. I think, and, you know, <laughs> no, obviously a coincidence that the Ravens had their worst performance of the season. Uh, the weekend that I have adopted a beautiful shepherd mix from Texas. Uh, her name is Siri because I'm a huge nerd, not with an S with a C. Look it up. 
Um, and yeah, she's been great. She got me through Sunday. Uh, frankly, I will admit, I'm really not nearly as upset as I used to be. So if you come to Pod Like a Raven for me screaming vitriolic messages at Ravens after losses, you're not going to get it because I've been running around with a um, shepherd puppy who, to take you behind the curtain, barked for the first time right before we started recording. So I'm a pretty, I'm pretty decent at editing things. You know, I, I kind of get paid for it for a living. But if you hear any barks or any stammers in the background, I apologize. It's definitely on my end. And yeah, just blame Siri. She doesn't have a handle. I'm not doing Instagrams nor Twitters for my own dog. I have enough on my plate at the moment. But yeah, just you could at me uh, for those issues. Tim, any early signs of uh of strong three cone drill times or you know 40s or even maybe the ability to tackle because that you know maybe could be useful for us at this point so the tackling she's a little small right now kind of you know your maybe high school safety who might get like a d1 at double a scholarship type thing the 40 time is blazing speed and my parents dog is is a nfl athlete when it comes to the 40 so I'm hoping to test it against uh, against Finley, uh, my parents' black lab. She is incredibly fast. I will say we're hardwood floors here in this apartment at the moment uh, for obvious reasons, puppy training. The stop-start has not worked out so well, but I blame that more on the surface she's running on and the claws rather than her actual ability. But, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. And once she gets bigger, and God willing, she's going to get, like, shepherd level big, uh, the tackling will probably come into play. And she's already a lap dog, so she likes laying on you. It's just the physical contact point uh, that, that, that we need to work on a little bit. Well, Siri, w- welcome, to, welcome to Pod Like a Raven mo- moving forward. What an exciting, positive note uh, to kick off what is going to be an episode that I will assume at some point both of my co-hosts will start uh, raging about different aspects <laughs> that did not go according to plan on Sunday. Uh, in a game where it looked like it was going to be a fun AFC North back-and-forth contest that then just became a back-and-back-and-back-and-back without any fourth from from Baltimore's side, ending in a blowout. We're going to start talking about Lamar Jackson because that's the focal point. We will get into other position groups as necessary. But guys, an up-and-down game for him. He played pretty well for for the most part, but an example perhaps where finally a situation where he couldn't carry the team entirely by himself yeah I mean you nailed it right there Antonio he was just asked to literally we've said all year Lamar's been superhero uh Superman but like literally in this game he had to do everything the Ravens offensive line was not good in this game uh you know running backs not named Lamar Jackson uh well in including Devin DuVernay he got a carry so players not named Lamar Got 27 yards rushing in this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, the Ravens' leading rusher by a hefty amount with 88 yards on 12 carries. Um, the rest of his teammates combined, 27 rushing yards. Uh, he's He sacked uh, five times, which ties a career high uh, for Lamar for uh, times getting sacked. Not great. Um, and, you know, not to absolve him of blame for some of those sacks I thought he was at fault for a number of them I think he held the ball too long but just big picture to start yeah he was just asked to do literally everything in this game in a way he hadn't even in some games and uh you know that's not a way to win every week it's the football's the ultimate team game right 53 guys and it uh you know, on offense was more like one guy and two or three good receivers <laughs> he was throwing to, and that was it. Um, 
on Sunday. And yeah, and the game just got away from them and he he couldn't, uh, unlike the Colts game, he couldn't make it up this time. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to spend a, a ton of time on it, but before I get to Lamar, because we're talking about the weapons and how he performed in the passing game, a positive out of here. I'm going to start with positives and then go incredibly negative. Uh, <laughs> I thought Rashad Bateman, again, is becoming a bona fide weapon for this team. Uh, comes from Sarah Ellison on Twitter, and a few others have had it as well. Uh, he is averaging 26.7 yards per catch in his first two games as an NFL player. All seven of his catches have picked up first downs, which... If there's a stat that I want to see from a wide receiver in a Ravens uniform, it is that. Um, now to Lamar. Outside of, of his connection with Bateman, I thought the, the pass and catch to Hollywood Brown for the touchdown is elite level from both guys. It is top of the league type stuff from both Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson. Outside And, you know, I take Jace's point and I completely agree because everybody's going to be like, well, you're attacking Lamar here. And I'm certainly not. You can't do it by yourself. And he's been doing that. The reason they're five and two is Lamar Jackson. Um, and the, the reason they have all five of those wins is 95% Lamar Jackson, how he's played. He has carried this team on his back over and over and over again. And you need other guys to win. Sure. That being said, I thought he had a bad game. Um, I think he missed way too many guys. He... You know, Mark Andrews, especially, who he's usually lockstep with, missed a number of times, was throwing guys high a lot, too, which is just jittery excitement. And and for me, the, the one that really worries me, if you find a defense with speed, and credit to the Bengals, and we'll say this over and over again, the Bengals are a very good football team now. It's weird to say, but <laughs> they have weapons everywhere, and their defense is legit, and their defense is, is a lot faster than I even thought. Um, and they were able to contain Lamar Jackson, which... It, to a relative degree. You can never fully stop him. You can only hope to contain him or whatever it is. He holds on to the football for way too long. And I don't know if it's, you know, we've had this in the past with Flacco and even with Lamar. Everybody, you saw the trend with Flacco where it was blame the receivers, blame the receivers, blame the receivers. And then people started souring on Joe. So it was blame Joe, blame Joe, blame Joe. We don't have the, the all-22. I can't see if receivers are open. I'm not that smart. But for me, the multiple, multiple times that he is holding onto the football way too long and thinking, I guess, in his head, let me go through all of my progressions. If nothing's there, I'll be able to get out of the pocket. A fast defense can figure that out. And what we saw was that he had to take sacks or minimal gains because he couldn't escape and get the 8, 9, 10 yards that he's used to. And that's a problem. That is a real problem for defenses that are going to, especially in the AFC North, who are going to build defenses to stop Lamar Jackson because those are two games a year that are very, very important for them. They're going to build speed. They're going to build guys who are primed to contain him. And if he can't get through his reads fast enough and he can't, you know, do the impossible every single time, which we're certainly not asking him to do, that is going to be an issue. So for me, yeah, you know, the throw was great. He can't do it all himself, but I thought I thought it was a poor game from Lamar Jackson. I really did. It's tough to change this about him because that's the two out of ten times that he does get by three guys and turn it into a 30, 40-yard run is what separates him as an elite playmaker. He's playing with a beat-up offensive line. He's playing with backups on backups on backups. Uh, Patrick McCarry in this one, uh, high ankle sprain, so he's out. You're playing your third right tackle at this point. So I, I don't know where, how you can adjust this, because he definitely had instances where he was holding the ball for too long, 
He was doing the drop back, step up in the pocket, and then try to come back again and was getting hit by guys who... Uh, it's Jace's favorite thing with Baker Mayfield. When they rush the first time, they don't forget about you. They don't just stop. Even if they miss, they're going to come back around and catch you. A lot of those type things. But you're never going to tell Lamar Jackson, you know, count to three, roll out and throw it away. Like the, the Kyle Bowler treatment that we could never quite get through to his head. So I, I'm not sure how this gets fixed in his game without the improvement of the offensive line without getting, you know, starters back on the offensive line. And this is just going to continue to be a problem against good defenses uh, where he'll get a couple of good plays out of it, but he's going to get beat a lot. Or he's going to get, you know, hit a lot basically at the end of these hold the ball for five, six, seven seconds. I also think it's a perfect, sadly, a perfect contrast because these are the Bengals that he has owned in the past, specifically on the ground. They were not the same defensive Bengals that he has played uh, the last five times. They were quicker, they were more aggressive, they were stouter on the, against the run, against the pass. So it's a new, yet a new challenge for him to have to deal with when he's trying to make all these plays, when to pick the spot and learn or just have instinct of when to pick the spot to try to make a play and when to try to just eat it and either go down or, or throw the ball away. It, yeah, and it, I don't want to say it's a sorry, Jace. I don't, I don't want to say it's a simplifying the offense thing because I, I think he's a good enough quarterback to get through his progressions when he needs to. But I think that has to happen faster. And whether it is whatever it is, if he, have, if he has four reads to make or three reads to make, he's got to do it quicker or cut it down. Go one not there, two not there. I'm taking off or you know throwing the ball away, what have you, depending on the situation. That has to improve. And look, yeah, like you mentioned Makari and the offensive line is absolute garbage right now, and that doesn't help. But you have to adjust for that. Like, you still have to play football games, the whole next man up thing. Like, we can't just magically hope Ronnie Stanley's ankle gets better. It just won't. Uh, we, you know, we can't get Orlando Brown back, although we wouldn't want him based on how he's playing for the Kansas City Chiefs right now, which we will get to. Don't worry. So it simply has to come down to he has to be quicker and make quicker decisions, whether that's cutting down the amount of reads or just getting through them faster. And it struck me in Sunday's game against the Bengals here that, and we've seen this from Lamar a lot, and I think it's the thing we've complained probably the most about him, but he, when the Ravens do get down, when he would try to win the game on one play, and it seemed like he kind of reverted to that again, and... Um, you know, it was something we didn't see against the Colts. He was just taking it as it came, uh, and stuff, but, you know, I just, I, it seemed like on Sunday he tried to, 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 you know, win it all on one play again in a way he hadn't in, uh, the prior few games. And you guys are right. Like, I don't know if it's as simple as he just like, you know, you, you at a certain level, you do have to just kind of know, like, this is what the line is. And like you can't win it all on one play. And in fact, this line will forever for the rest of this season. Anyway, kind of prevent you from uh, holding on to the ball until a play opens up. Cause the line is just going to get caved in against good defense. This is kind of clear, <laughs> clear what I think is going to happen the rest of this season based on, as you guys mentioned, unfortunate high ankle sprain for Patrick McCarry. So he's probably out a few weeks after, seemingly playing pretty well on the right tackle spot because of course right yeah why so Tyree Phillips is now your your starting right tackle which obviously was uh the case at times last season when they decided we don't want this to be the case and they (laughs) went out and got Alejandro Villanueva you know it hasn't worked out but when it comes to Lamar yeah he, he he tried to 
I felt like do too much again yesterday. And, you know, perhaps justifiably we'll get to the defense. They certainly weren't stopping anyone. So he probably felt he had to make these plays. The only other thing I'll say about Lamar, and we've mentioned it, he has to get better at the starts of these big games. He was so off especially early sun like i thought he settled down like he had an okay game i didn't think he was great but like he wasn't the reason the ravens lost this game i didn't think like ultimately like he but you know he he plays better early when the defense actually was playing really well perhaps the ravens you know score a touchdown in the first quarter uh more than the the field goal they got but he just missed so much and especially with the Bengals, were just not doing anything at that part of the game it was it just felt like a missed opportunity. I feel like we've just seen this too much with him. He gets too jacked up. He gets too, I don't know if it's just, he gets too excited and sees opportunity. Like the thing we said, he wants to win the game on one throw in the first quarter and stuff, but he was just wildly off to start Sunday's game. And then I felt he settled down, but you know, as I said, it's a missed opportunity to put some points on the board early. That might've, you know, changed the complexion of the game. It is crazy how much, how different this team is up 7 nothing or down 7 nothing early in a game. Watch, go back and look at those beautiful Chargers highlights. We executed early, had a lead, and that changed the entire defensive perspective. I, I still don't really understand the tackling uh, game to game. Uh, you mentioned Villanueva there. He had been getting praise moving to left tackle. He's, you know, comfortable, natural position, and he was good enough basically in the last few weeks. Looked bad against the Bengals, he was getting bull rushed by Trey Hendrickson and was just sagging four or five yards in the backfield. By the second half, they were chipping whoever was in front of Villanueva with a fullback, a running back, a tight end on almost every passing down. And that's not good when your left tackle, in theory, (laughs) is supposed to be your best offensive lineman or your, your, you know, the guy who can take players on -on one-on-one and then with McCurry out... There's going to be some issues moving forward, so the, the bye coming just in time for these Ravens players. Um, Tim Rashad Bateman, yes, he looks fantastic. He looks so fluid. It looks like catching the ball, turning and running with it is a natural thing that he does in his sleep, and it's so beautiful to see from a young Ravens wide receiver. Uh, long may it continue. Um, and now let's talk about some other issues. <laughs> let's talk defensively. Oh, in a game God. that was... <laughs> Zero zero three nothing three to three some stout plays early from this Ravens defense and Anthony Averett knocking passes down st- stuck like glue to receivers getting high fives and then after the first four possessions here's how it went for the Ravens defensively touchdown field goal touchdown touchdown end zone interception for Marlon Humphrey that was a gift touchdown touchdown. And at that point, the game was pretty much over. Backups came in, and there were a few more drives. That's not good, guys. The the tackling woes were all over the field again that that we saw in that Colts game. Didn't see in the Chargers game for some reason. And now that was back uh, against Cincinnati. Miscommunications all over the field in a home game. Quadruple teaming a dude in the flat and leaving Uzama open for a touchdown downfield double-teaming a running back and leaving Boyd wide open in the middle of the field in the second half for another play. A lot of issues here to to discuss, so I'm going to turn to my two co-hosts. I'm going to turn the volume down just a little bit to make (laughs) sure my ears survive the next 10 minutes here, but specifically coming off of that Chargers performance, what 
what the heck, guys? What do we what do we make of this defense? Well, that was the most confusing part to me, Antonio. I was like, was the entire Chargers game just a fluke? Did I just dream it? Did I imagine everything that happened in that game? That they gave up six points to Justin Herbert? It clearly the Bengals figured some stuff out. They settled down and. I mean, they just picked him apart. You know, Burrow goes for a career-high 416 yards. He is the third quarterback this season to throw for 400 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. I cannot imagine a Ravens team has ever allowed four 300 or uh, three 400-yard passers in one season. That seems impossible for me to have had it ever occur before. This is a historically bad Ravens defense. It's stunning. They're 29th against the pass right now. And like you said, I, it was, I, Anthony Avert was great. I thought he's body swapped with Marlon Humphrey because he was making all plays all over the place and Marlon had a horrible game. I mean, we just have to say it like he owned up to it after the game, but he was bad, man. He got torched on a few play. Like uh, we, we were texting about it. Uh, it You know, they target Averett, they target Averett, they target Averett early, which is, you know, what we've seen pretty much three consecutive weeks here now. Uh, and then the first time that seemed like they really picked on Humphrey, uh, CJ Uzama gets in the end zone on one play, uh, with Marlon trailing well behind. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, it's failure from everywhere. I thought, you know, certainly no one played well. They're fine at stopping the run. That's not what you need to do in 2021 NFL. It's all about stopping the pass. And they just had no answers specifically for Jamar Chase, but really for anyone. Uh, Uzama, as you mentioned, was just wide open several times. His second interception, or uh, touchdown rather, excuse me, was more wide open than the first. As you mentioned, about eight guys went to cover. I don't know who it was, Joe Mixon perhaps. I, I rewatched the highlights this afternoon as we record. And basically leaves Uzama with like Deshaun Elliott kind of nearby attempting to make the tackle. It was just bad. It was miscommunication and... Yeah, whatever wink, the, what they did against the Chargers, clearly the Bengals figured out a way by it. Because this is exactly what we saw for, you know, three quarters, really the whole game against the Colts. The Ravens defense never really stopped the Colts, as we recall. They just kept missing field goals <laughs> late in the game. Um, it was bad. And this is this is as down on the Ravens. Like, I can't imagine watching a football game where the Ravens rushed for 27 yards from guys who aren't their quarterback. And they have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And just the fact that I'm way more concerned about the defense <laughs> coming out of this game still. It, it's it's mind-boggling. I know I've rambled. I, I feel like I like went into like a, a fugue state there for a second and just was like, <laughs> babbling incoherently perhaps but i i don't it's it's terrible that this defense is so bad and i the lack of answers for anything they did once the bengals started rolling was really disconcerting and i i I, there's i don't know what the answer is the rest of the season it's not the personnel it's got to be come from the coaching because these are the players you have yeah no i mean jace you didn't ramble you pretty much nailed all of it i think this is (laughs) This is the Ravens' defense, you know, I'd, and maybe it's slightly better than this, but that's an elite offense, and this is what they look like. It is not the the defense to play the Chargers, which who knows? And remember too, Justin Herbert. We talked about this, and again, this is now being negative because they just lost. Yada yada yada. Justin Herbert missed the throws on fourth down, which would have been fourth down conversions. Like, let's not kid ourselves here. Marlon Humphrey slapped his helmet, did the whole thing, and it was great, and we were hyping him up the whole time. I screamed, yeah, Marlon. It was tight coverage, but it was a bad throw. 
Joe Burrow didn't make those. Um, Joe Burrow. I have I have thoughts that are going to depress Ravens fans, but here we go. Joe Burrow is playing prime Big Ben, and I would say prime Tom Brady, although I feel like we're still in that prime. <laughs> of when they played the Ravens, and lovely listener, you know this if you've listened to the Baltimore or if you watched the Baltimore Ravens over the years. Pressure's coming. Terrell Suggs, now Justin Houston and Dafe Owe, getting off the edge, beating their guy one on one, but not as convincingly as you would like. You know, maybe takes a second, then gets the rip move and is getting to the quarterback. And you're like, sack, baby. Sack, here it comes. He's going to eat his lunch. And he doesn't. And Joe Burrow gets the throw off just in time, maybe scrambles a little bit to his right, a couple steps to his right, and gets it right before he gets hit, and it's completed for a first down. Okay, we can deal with that. And then it happens again. And it happens again. And it happens again. And the existential dread sets in that you're watching Sunday night football against the Steelers and the defense is playing decently well. And in your head, you are screaming at the top of your brain lungs, get to the quarterback, get him, get him, get him. Cause you're panicking. Sorry, Siri. I just I yelled too loud for her. <laughs> you're panicking because you don't have any more faith that even if you, even if it looks like they're getting into the backfield, even if it looks like every single defensive player, every blitzer has beaten his man, beaten his blocker, they're not going to get to the quarterback. And I think we found the new guy in Joe Burrow. I think it is going to be that over and over and over again. And it is going to eat away at a part of your soul that you will never get back as somebody who has lost multiple parts of said soul. Um, so that's that, that aspect. Now let's move to the other guy, Jamar Chase. Um, yeah, we might have been wrong when we said they needed to pick an offensive lineman. Now, we'll see if Joe Burrow can stay alive for 17 games. I have questions about that because he did still get hit by the way, because he was releasing it right beforehand. And uh, he's still dealing with a throat contusion, which sounds like the worst injury I've ever heard of. (laughs) But Jamar Chase is on pace to break Randy Moss's record for the most successful rookie season. 16 games, 17 games, it doesn't matter. Um, Of all time, Randy Moss, widely considered a top three NFL receiver in NFL history, um, in the history of the game. And... Jamar Chase has it, and he put Marlon Humphrey in a blender on Sunday, and it was an embarrassment for Marlon, frankly. Um, You know, we we can wax poetic about Jamar Chase. You can listen to every other NFL podcast for that. He's great. He's a problem. Him and Joe Burrow are going to be a problem. Then let's move on from that. The thing that worries me, I don't have specific examples, but there were always a few guys that bothered Chris McAllister. There were always a few guys that bothered... Lardarius Webb. There are always a few guys that Jimmy Smith, when he was healthy in his prime, tore up Jimmy Smith. Did we find that guy in Jamar Chase for Marlon Humphrey? Where Marlon Humphrey, great corner, top five corner in the league. I'm a little nervous now that Jamar Chase might be the guy that comes into MET Bank every time, or when we go to whatever the hell their stadium name is. You know, Paul Stadium. stadium. <laughs> oh, thank you. For the owner that hasn't improved anything, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Or he was the coach. Doesn't matter. Who cares about Cincy's history? <laughs> I worry that Jamar Chase is going to be like, yeah, I know how to beat this guy. Even if he's good, I'm better. And I know how to beat him every single time. It's just, it's a terrible matchup for Humphrey. I, I wonder, and this is, uh, I, if you guys, yes Marcus or no Peters? to this. If Peters is healthy and starting, 
that has to be the matchup. That's who they put on him, right? Because Humphrey is the guy who's going to cover your big physical... T. Higgins. Not speed, sure, like a T. Higgins type guy. He's the, the big guy who wants to be physical with a corner and shove him out of the way and turn and catch a pass. And he can, Humphrey can hang with those guys and out-muscle them and be as physical without drawing penalties, which is what we saw in those Chargers games on those fourth downs. He had his hands all over him, but not enough to, to draw a penalty. In this game, any time Chase got any sort of release off the line, he was by him, by him or to the side of him. It was two strides, and he was clear, and it looked bad. And I just, I suppose the issue is at the moment, who else are they going to put on him? But it just, it didn't work on play one, it didn't work on play five, it didn't work on play ten, and I'm surprised that that was the strategy, because clearly they had him, you know, shadowing Chase all over the field. It's not good, and it's not to Humphrey's strengths, and it's going to make everything worse, basically, because if your best guy is playing in his weakest spot, then everybody else is, you know, in a position where they're not going to shine because of the trickle-down effect of, of your the position that your best corner is in. I don't know what you do. But it was it was terrible. It made it was just the worst position for Humphrey to be in, and it looked it on every single play. Yeah, this felt like the game more so than any other game. Even though, as we mentioned, the Ravens have given up for over four hundred yards passing down three separate times. This felt like the game that they really missed Marcus Peters because I, I think you're right, Antonio. I think they would have a hundred percent put Peters on Chase. And then, as Tim said, you put Marlon on a bigger guy, a Tyler Humphrey, uh, Tyler Humphrey, uh, uh, Tyler Boyd, a T. Higgins, um, you know, those uh, sorts of players. I will say, though, the one, not that, you know, he still had an amazing game besides this one play, but obviously the highlight of the game for T. Higgins, who, again, he had over 200 yards, but uh, 82 of those yards uh, came on a play that I think, really exemplifies this even beyond the coverage issues the real biggest problem for the Ravens is they just cannot tackle anyone and Deshaun Elliott had a chance and Chuck Clark had a chance and Marlon Humphrey had a chance and Justin Houston stared at them all missed the tackle as Chase spun away and ran the the rest of the what 70 yards left it would have been a, a nice gain on a third down but it would have been a gain of 15 that he turned into a gain of an 82-yard touchdown. That put the Bengals up 10. That effectively, more or less, was the end of the game uh, in hindsight. But um, but the, the, just the lack of tackling, and, it, and it's, I don't... It's everyone. It's not even Patrick Queen because he didn't even play half the snaps on defense. It wasn't his fault. So, like, it's... I don't know how this happened. I don't, like... Marcus Peters, obviously the Ravens missed him. I would say he's probably the worst of the tackle. Yeah, he's terrible. Ravens he doesn't even defensive. try to do the team. Yeah, <laughs> no so, interest. Like, I'm like, all the guys who do tackle are the ones still playing. So, like, that's a concern. <laughs> and, and I don't, like, this, has this been a problem in recent? I guess it was a problem last year, but it's gotten even worse this year. I don't know if it's, they're not, you know, with safety precautions, if they're tackling less in practice, they can't afford to risk a single injury in practice so they're just not tackling in practice because all the injuries they suffered preseason I don't know what's going on but they cannot tackle it I mean John Harbaugh just straight up he said it today this is me as Jeff Zarebic the biggest problem we have on defense right now is not getting guys on the ground until we get that fixed we'll be a mediocre defense generally speaking no lies detected. If you can't yeah. tackle someone, like, what are you doing? Like we said, that chase play should have been a 15-yard gain. Stinks, but it's not an 82-yard touchdown. Like, 
I just don't know why it's so bad. I don't know how you fix this problem other than change the players, which obviously you can't do mid-season. Like, at a certain level, it's literally just taking kind of pride in your work (laughs) to a certain degree on the defense, but... I don't know. It's rough, and it was embarrassing. That that Jamar Chase play is embarrassing to watch, and, you know, you hope the players are embarrassed by it, too. And, like, we saw last week, too, though. They were good at tackling. Like, we, that was, like, the tackling was just definitively better, and then it just all unraveled this week. So, I don't know, again, how that's even a fixable problem, but the tackling's been atrocious, and it cost them again uh, on Sunday. Fort. Has He was one of the best tackling linebackers he's been out for the season. Matthew Judon, say what you will about him getting, you know, the uh, the rush and the hit, but not the sack on quarterbacks. He was a sound tackler uh, coming back to the play, so to, so to speak, and he would play different positions. And the, the fixes have just not been as good, Jace, at, ta- at tackling specifically. And that's come out. I mean, I had flashbacks of the Titans game from last year. And it's that bad again now. And I think you're right. Aside from using their 800 draft picks early to trade for players who can tackle, I, there really is no current solution outside of them like doing drills that they're not going to do to avoid other injuries. Yeah, Tim, I, I got nothing. I just, I'm so demoralized by the tackling because you're right. We, we came on here and it's like, it wasn't... I, Sure, it was fixed against the Chargers. And I and the defensive performance, you could have asked any of us under a lie detector test, and we would have told you it's not going to be this good every week, especially against an offense like that. But the tackling should have remained. Like, it is pathetic, the effort that goes into some of these. And you have guys, I mean, you mentioned it, LJ Ford out, right. Deshaun Elliott's a missile. We've talked about it all the time. A good tackler, too. Not just a guy going for hits. He usually wraps up well. Chuck Clark, the same. Calais Campbell, a, a decent tackler. Josh Bynes even missed some, and he's usually pretty reliable. Marlon Humphrey, a, a solid, like you mentioned before, Antonio, physical corner is what he's known for. And it's it's frankly pathetic, and it is the worst part of this defense because if you can you can bend not break to death if you really need to. If, if you got Wink and it's the send the blitz, eight guys, you got to have three guys that can tackle. And you know what? If you don't get to the quarterback, fine. But whoever, you know, if they complete the pass for six yards, make sure you tackle them before the first down marker. And the Ravens have always been pretty good at that. And frankly, they have been horrific at it this year. And, you know, you guys are right. I could say old school football where you got to strap on the pads at practice, but that's not going to work at today's NFL. Like, that's just not how things go. So I don't know what you do. I really don't. Turning to some intangibles that I want to go over as well. That's those are bad too uh, in this game. I thought Harbaugh. I mean, I'm not going to call it a ridiculous challenge, but it was a bad challenge on the Jamar Chase catch, take seven steps, and then kind of fumble it on your way out of bounds. I get that you only have like ten seconds to make that decision when Cincinnati rushes to the line to try to snap it, but I saw a highlight of it before he threw the challenge flag. So the Ravens coaching staff absolutely saw a highlight of it. There was no chance the Ravens were getting eight different players touch the ball while out of bounds on that play. There was no chance the Ravens were going to end up with the ball in possession. I thought that was a a, a mistake to challenge that. I'm going to just list them. I got a couple of question marks, and I'm going to let you guys tell me which was the worst one, which was the one that uh, 
that you want to maybe dive into more. There was a ridiculous fourth and 15, keep the offense on the field, wait, just kidding, play clock is running down, call timeout instead of just taking the delay. First of all, no team thinks you're going for it on fourth and 15. Second of all, don't waste a timeout. Just just burn the five yards and punt it. And they did everything wrong on that play <laughs> to lose a timeout that ended up being important. Harbaugh chose to not have Tucker try the 57-yard field goal in the first half when we were on the Cincinnati 40-yard line, elected to have Cook punt. Cook, who had one of the worst games of his career that I can remember, then immediately bombs it into the end zone for a touchback. So you gain all of 20 yards on a play instead of attempting uh, a field goal with the best kicker in the history of the NFL. And then in the fourth quarter, it looks like a blowout from the scoreboard, but the Ravens were only down 10 with 12 minutes left in this game, and Harbaugh chose to go for it on fourth and seven from the Ravens' 38-yard line. Sure, the defense had not made a lot of stops, but at a certain point, you still have to think they are a defense. They're still players on the field. They're not just going to let them walk into the end zone. You got 12 minutes. You need two scores. I, I have no idea why you wouldn't punt in that scenario. I get it fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and seven. We are the worst offense at fourth, at, th- at like third and longs or whatever you want to call it, between seven and ten yards. We're the worst in the NFL. So going for <laughs> fourth and seven in that particular spot was baffling to me. Punt it. Try to get a couple of stops. You're going to have to get them to, to score points anyway. Uh, and that ended the game, basically. The, the play call was horrendous. Nobody even blocked for Jackson. He threw it directly at a Bengals uh, linebacker, I believe. And it was just a collection of bad plays from every player, from every facet of the game, even special teams, and even the coaching staff. I hated it. I don't like it. I believe I texted the thread. I hate football at a certain point because there was just no execution from anyone. Okay. Guys, which of those was the worst? <laughs> which one was most baffling to you? I, I think the I hate football, Antonio, came after the, uh, I believe that was the 4th and ten. Uh, or the fourth and fifteen timeout <laughs> fake dunk punt uh, fiasco. So many more things happened after which that. Which was completely that one was completely baffling. I believe uh, you kind of you, you know hi- highlighted the play by play good on that one. I believe they kind of said after the game that it seemed like kind of Lamar's fault. But then I circle back to coaching and be like, "Hey, someone has to tell him to not call timeout." <laughs> like. <laughs> The, that whole sequence was weird. I think, though, the, the, the issuing of the field goals was... Because it was two, actually. They did it again in the second half. They could have kicked uh, what would have been a 58-yarder down three. Uh, they punt on the Bengals 41, another punt from Bengals territory. And that was one after... An, and that, that whole sequence was terrible. And I actually think that, for me, was kind of the moment that lost the game. Because that's... Lamar gets sacked on third down to turn... A fourth down that they would have 100% kicked a field goal on. Harbaugh thinks it's too long. They they don't try the 58-yarder. They punt. And that is the ensuing drive is three plays later. Jamar Chase takes it 82 yards into the end zone. Um, but both those not kicking those field goals to me, like... I saw some – Jeff Zarebic had some nice stats uh, in his piece he released today, kind of his, his day after piece. Um he raised some good points. Justin Tucker is apparently only one for four uh, on field goals over 57 yards outdoors in his career. 
Fair enough stat. But, but, if there is a player I am willing on my team who does their job better than literally anyone else in the league, it is Justin Tucker. And I, as a coach, I have to put my faith in him. Maybe the first one you can justify. They're only down, it was, it's, what, they're down three, right, when they do the, the first uh, punt uh, in, in Bengals territory, I believe. Or no, it was, um, oh no, it was tied three, and that, of course the Bengals immediately take two plays uh, after a horrible Pernell McPhee roughing the passer penalty. Uh, not horrible that the refs called it, just really dumb, a legitimately deserved penalty, uh, which I feel like you can't say too much about roughing the passer calls uh, if you watched that Cardinals game yesterday and other games. But horrible penalty, and then the Uzama play. The Bengals, by the way, all their touchdowns were let, took, required less than five plays to score touchdowns in this game. Five touchdowns, all under five plays. The Ravens just had no answers. But, yeah, long answer, just passing up those field goal attempts, I know it's risky, but especially the second one, they could have kicked a 58-yarder. They're down three. It's 20-17. to 17. You, you, kick a, you, you try a 58-yarder to win the game, or to tie the game in the third quarter. And, like, yeah, if you don't get it, they have good field position. But guess what? It took them three plays to get into the end zone <laughs> after that. So, after you punted. So, to just not put your faith in Tucker, like, I know the conditions aren't bad. He said it was beyond his line. He is literally the best kicker in the history of the NFL. I have more faith to, for him to at least try than in almost any other group in this uh, team. I feel like the early returns uh, late in the first half, out of halftime, should have indicated the Ravens' defense was not playing that great, so you probably needed to put points on the board. You know, you tie that game. It's 20-20, to 20, who knows? Instead, they don't try. But, yeah, but both times were just bad. Not, you know, not trying to tie the game not uh, trying to go up 6-3 in the first half. I was very confused by the lack of putting the faith in Justin Tucker. And as you said, it was baffling. I thought it was easily Harbaugh's worst game this season. Just baffling from top to bottom. Just a lot of weird calls, plays. But the field goal, the just not trusting Justin Tucker was inexplicable to me. I mean, you guys have nailed it all, so I don't really need to, to echo it. I thought the offensive play calling was atrocious uh, throughout the game as well. Um, it was a total train wreck. And you know what? Because I know we're going to move off this game relatively soon. This is the perfect time to have this. It's 5-2. and two. The bye is coming up. Lay out all your problems now. And if you can't fix them now, when are you going to fix them? And maybe you don't. And maybe this team is as average as we thought they were. And we'll talk about grades and stuff as we hit the bye a little bit later in the program. I do want to ask you guys, because I had this question raised to me by a friend. And I will admit... When I first heard it, I was like, well, my buddy was at the game, so he was in the heat of the moment. I kind of get it, but I don't really agree with him. And I still probably agree with benching Lamar Jackson. But there, but he brought up some interesting points, and I want and I want to credit him about John Harbaugh giving these we're never out of these games, the way these this team has come back, the Colts come back, the, the you know, getting back against the Lions, the craziness of this season. To kind of just give up against a division opponent who now, by the way, are top of the AFC North and top of the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals, right now. That, that's a real sentence. The only two games they've lost, they lost by a combined total of six points, I believe. Would it? Can you guys see? Because I know you're both going to you both are going to say it was fine to bench Lamar. The game was the game was over. I, I, I've done this enough with you. I've watched enough Ravens games with you and I've screamed over text message with you guys enough. 
But do you see the argument, or or am I wrong about my assumption of you guys, of benching Lamar with about, what is it, six and a half, seven minutes left in a game against a division rival after you had said, you know, this team's in every game, we're going to compete, we're going to fight. And then to kind of, I mean, let's call a spade a spade, lay down. Uh, yeah, I definitely see the argument against it. I was uh, mildly surprised. I guess he didn't come out there, but at that point it is, you're down 21 with seven minutes. Uh, as Antonio kind of mentioned one of, or both of, yeah, uh, to the, uh, penultimate drive with Lamar was the fourth and seven, the, um, attempt in, in your own territory that the Bengals immediately, uh, turn into a touchdown. And, and then, you know, you end up with a 4th and 15 at your own 33. You're going for it. Now you're down uh, at that point, 34 to 17. You go for it. You don't get it because, you know, they do a check. This was a very classic Flacco era. Check down to Tyson Williams, who ran out of bounds four yards short um, on 4th and 15. So then, you know, it's turnover, and the Bengals need all of two plays for Samaj P. Ryan to basically run half the field uh, untouched into the end zone. Um, so I, at that point for me, I felt the game was basically over. Um, just one of those sequence of turnover on downs, turnover downs, Bengals get touchdowns. And I will take at least a minor solace in the fact that uh, this game was closer than the final score indicates. Uh, I would say this, uh, that end sequence, it kind of unraveled. Um, Jeff Zeribic actually mentioned this. I was kind of thinking it too, as it happened, it was very similar to that Browns game several years ago where the Ravens just could not get any stops and kept trying to go for it, and then it just kind of unraveled, and they and they lost, like, I don't know, 40 to something in that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't as bad a loss as I think the final score indicates, but I was still fine with pulling Lamar. I, you know, you don't want to get him hurt. He was already had to shoulder so much of the load this game. He was, he was all their offense, and after those two turnover on downs that the Bengals turned into 14 points, I think, you know... It, I see the argument about why you shouldn't wave the white flag, but I was fine with it in the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. There's a lot of things combined that lead to this decision, in my opinion. It's forty. It's a twenty-four point difference with six minutes and twenty seconds. So I should, I should say when the Ravens actually get the ball, yeah, maybe like seven minutes left in the game you're down 24 Lamar Jackson's been sacked five times he's had 12 carries where he's gotten hit on most of them some other blows his left tackle has looked bad and is letting guys beat him consistently his right tackle who's a backup is out and you have a third string right tackle that you don't really want playing right tackle I I get him out of there. You've lost 57 players this season, before the season started, during the season. He's the one guy you can't lose. You're 5-2 and two at the end of this game. You have a bye. I just can't think of a better recipe to save the life of your MVP quarterback, who I would be afraid would just get hit over and over again for the last five minutes of this game in a situation where it's pass- pass, pass on every down, where Tim, he doesn't like throwing the ball away. He likes to hold it for too long and step up and step back and get blindsided by somebody that Villanueva let go through the turnstile. So I think this is the the moment, the the, 
mountain of evidence to where, you know what, Lamar, get you're going to try too hard in these six minutes when you really don't have a chance to, to make a comeback. Come sit down. Take a rest. Let's get on out of here. We have two weeks. We'll be okay. And I'm going to use that as a pivot here. Tim, I'm, I do want to hear your thoughts on it as well, but I'm going to use this as a pivot for the Ravens are 5-2. and two. The expectations to start this season having, I think at the time, 16 players on IR or whatever. I'm sure maybe it was less than that at the start of the year. But a lot of dudes on IR, a lot of question marks about how this team was going to do anything well based on the injuries. Yes, it's a blowout loss at home. It's against a good team. The Ravens, 5-2. and two. They have never gone 6-1 and one in the history of the Baltimore Ravens. This is a perennial playoff team. <laughs> Two-time Super Bowl winner in 25 years have never gone six and one. Two months from now, how will we be viewing this game? Because the Ravens have had the random blowout in a good season. Jace just mentioned it. They got blown out by the Browns in a season they went 14 and two. That was at home in 2012 in the Super Bowl season. They lost by 30 points to the Houston Texans in a game nobody remembers existed because they won the Super Bowl that season. This happens in the NFL. The Packers got blown out in week one against the Saints and have won every game since. So two months from now, guys, is this the game where it's, here's the tip of the iceberg where the Ravens got exposed, or is it, they're going to be fine, they're a playoff team, and this was just one of those games where literally everything went wrong? Um, Real quickly, on just on the Lamar stuff, I, I... Tend to agree with you guys, but not as strongly. The question when posed to me made me think more than I thought it would because it does, to the fans, it sounds like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Now, day afterwards, you know, you, you have a little bit perspective, perspective, and I agree with you guys for the most part, but I think there is something to be said for the whole, we can come back in every game, this is a massive division game, oh, here's Tyler Huntley, and that can send the wrong message. Um, and not to sit on the fence again, I think a lot of it depends on two factors. One, how the Ravens deal with that tough stretch that comes later, and that if they need a game, and it's, it's oh, remember that game against the Bengals? We could have had that. Although I guess, you know, if it's a blowout, you don't really think that anyway. But more importantly, I think what happens on the return fixture, to use my soccer brain. What happens in Cincinnati, I think, dictates how we feel about this game. If it's If the Ravens come out and say, F you, you're still the little brother, and put on a performance, wipe the hands clean. I don't think it matters that much. If the Ravens lose in any fashion whatsoever, BS call at the end, overtime field goal by the Bengals, or a complete blowout, whatever type of game it is, if the, if the Ravens lose again and go 0-2 against the Bengals in the division, I'm having some more issues. Um, and... I don't know. This this is a very tough question to answer the as we record the day after this game has happened. I tend to and this is I understand this is a guy who's coming off a negative loss and that's that that's where my headspace is at right now yada yada yada. I tend to think that this one will have a bigger ramifications than the random blowout. Just based on what happened? The the schedule at the end of the year, which we've talked about, and the potential of I won't say embarrassing ourselves quite yet, but losing in Cincinnati, which frankly is still an embarrassment either way. 
So this is, I think, Antonio, where the source of my existential crisis uh, developed with this team last night, because I I don't know what to think. I think on some hand, this team is exactly kind of what I thought it would be entering the season. I was like, the line seems like a concern, and you know, Mar- losing Marcus Peters isn't good, and also your top three running backs, that bodes poorly. And this just seemed like the game where that all, um, all, all, all the problems I thought this team had, uh, reared their heads and were laid bare. And they are five and two, and I think they will make the playoffs. But I guess the concern and the existential crisis I'm having, uh, the likes of which I feel like I have not had during our time doing Pod Like a Raven, oh, but no. it's just I know it's. But like the Ravens are this? breaking Jace down slowly. <laughs> what is this team? That's the thing. I'm like, it's going to make the playoffs, but can this team win the Super Bowl? Not the one we saw yesterday. And so then it's a big, what are we doing? And I don't know <laughs> the answer to that. This is the first time in our lives, probably. Like I, you think of the the position groups. What is the most talented part of the Ravens? It's their quarterback and their wide receivers. Wild, and right? it's Absolutely very wild. confusing. And the defense stinks, which has almost never been true for our entire fandom. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I That's why I, I don't know what to think. I think this team will beat bad teams. I think they'll beat the Chicago Bears. I think they will beat the Miami Dolphins. I think they will beat some of But they place a lot of good teams down the stretch. And... Um, I just have a lot of concerns with some of the things we saw. I think the Chargers game is the outlier, and then the team is every game's got to be close. And when Lamar couldn't do it all, we saw the blowout, and a lot's on his shoulders. And we'll go as far as he takes us, which still might be very far. And you always want to make the playoffs, but I don't know. That's that's the confusing part for me. I don't know. Uh, I I was just left in crisis by a, a team that I think is frankly better than the Ravens coming into Baltimore and kicking their butt all over the field, and especially that team being the Bengals, uh, which we haven't seen them be the better team coming into a, a game against the Ravens since what twenty fifteen. It's been a long time. So. Um, yeah, so that's a long-winded answer to say I don't know what we'll be thinking about. I could see this going any number of ways. I have glaring concerns about the offensive line and the state of the defense, um, which are, you know, two of the general things you want to be good if you want to have long playoff runs. Um, but I've been encouraged by a lot of things, too. I think Lamar's taken a great leap as a passer this year. I think Rashad Bateman looks really good, and him and Marquise Brown have the potential to be the best receiving tandem the Ravens have ever had in uh, certainly a very long time. Uh, you know, you can look back to their the Michael Jackson, Derek Alexander uh, tandem. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. And uh, I think the bye comes at a perfect time to just sort of refresh and uh get get the bad thoughts out and then just get back into the daily grind of football i think that's a big part of it was just not having a game next week to focus on and just dwelling on this loss is <laughs> really set my head spinning the, the buy the perfect time for the ravens to have a buy the perfect time for jace to have a buy because <laughs> i feel it's not like the the ravens are breaking jace kind of I, like the d- defense is not computing offense the position group the Playmakers being the best thing the Ravens have, it's It's baffling, Jace. I don't know what year we are living in. Give me three yards of carry and the number one defense in the NFL. 
right, we got to get off this game. Enough. It's one loss. The, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Five and two Ravens enter the bye. We have to now go to the random Raven. But before this, Tim, uh, so, uh, some some big news for us. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't say breaking because uh, you, you're going to listen to this on Tuesday or maybe a little bit later in the week. But ladies and gentlemen, Smoking Joe has entered the building. The Jets are trading a conditional sixth round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles that can possibly be a fifth round pick based on playtime. For quarterback, number five in your playbooks, number one in your hearts, Joseph Flacco is back with the Jets, and he is going to, I assume, start now that Zach Wilson is out for the next two to four weeks. Smoking Joe is back. I'm excited. And guess what? If you if you gamble responsibly and if it is legal in your area, put some money on the freaking Jets this week. Let's go, Joe. I, I was so I saw this on Twitter, Tim. I'm so baffled by this move. Like, you, you'd understand it if you're like bringing back a quarterback who like was there last year, and he was, but under a different coaching staff. Like, <laughs> just bringing back Flacco and then being like, uh, "Oh, here's the whole playbook." Uh, yeah, like I, I guess he starts. I don't know. Maybe Mike White starts. Uh, he looked whatever against the Patriots, I guess it couldn't have been good. Cause they lost by like 40, but um, yeah, that uh, it's very exciting. I hope Joe plays cause I, I love Joe Flacco and uh, um, yeah, uh, it's clear. I think Minshew probably beat him out for the Eagles backup. So smoking Joe round two in New York. He's I back, have, uh, I have the jets in my sort of gambling section this week. So I'm going to, my head is spinning. Going to have to reevaluate everything based on uh, Smoke and Joe. Just looking for a place to play, uh, always. And uh, we will. So I would love to see him play another game with a playbook that he seemingly should not be able to understand yet. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go now to the random Raven. Jace, you are up this week, uh, and Joe Flacco is not allowed to be your random Raven. Yeah, no, uh, Joe, too, too prolific, uh, future, uh, Ravens Ring of Honor member Joe Flacco, I'm sure, uh, whenever he hangs it up. Uh, this guy, not actually that, uh, we've had some really deep cuts lately, I don't think this is, uh, the deepest cut in the world, but, um, we haven't done this player, so, um, I figure let's give it a stab. So clue number one, this player was drafted by the Ravens in the second round of the 2009 NFL Draft. The Utah product spent four seasons in Baltimore, but made just nine starts, two of those coming in the playoffs. He was, however, fairly productive in that time, recording 15 and a half sacks and two interceptions. The 2012 season was by far his best in Baltimore, as he led the team with nine sacks and had four and a half more sacks in four playoff games as the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl. And then clue number five, this player, who wore number 99 throughout his career, signed a five-year, $40 million deal with the Cleveland Browns following that 2012 campaign. Despite signing a five-year deal, he played just four more seasons in the NFL after signing his contract. Did you say nine starts? Nine starts, yes. That's it? Apparently. I remember this guy. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of pass rushing situations, I guess. Wow. When you when you said two thousand nine draft, second round, and I'm like, Utah, I'm like, oh, okay. This is the wheelhouse of me just doing way too much draft stuff and looking at old classes. I'm gonna nail this. Then you said nine starts, and I'm like, that doesn't what? What? And 
okay. I mean, I know who it is, and we'll get to it in a second. But stunning that that guy did not have as much production as I apparently thought he did. Yeah, it like he was good, but not as good as it seemed <laughs> when I went back. Got paid off of one season, and then it, as every other former Ravens defender who leaves just doesn't do anything. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, although he had one good season uh, with the Browns, but we'll 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 circle back on the clues. But as I said, not the hardest one, and we hadn't done him yet, and uh, he was just a player on the mind. Uh, so yeah, that's our random Raven of the week. I had no idea he went to Utah. Uh, all right, um, let's turn now to the NFL, where it's a very odd week uh, in terms of recaps. The Browns played Thursday night. Uh, had. The ageless, or really just the miracle of Case Keenum that's still on a roster, played pretty well. Uh, And the Browns did just enough uh, to beat the Denver Broncos, who started 3-0 and are now 3-4. The Steelers were on a bye, so we did not see them. And then we know what the Bengals did, so that's about it for the AFC North. Not a lot to, to add elsewhere in the NFL. The Chiefs absolutely demolished by the Tennessee Titans. A game, Tennessee scored first, they scored early, they scored a lot, and then it was over, basically, in the third quarter. I think they were up 27 to nothing, or 24 to nothing, and then 27-3 at a certain point in this game. The Chiefs, turnovers looking bad offensively, defensively, they cannot stop anything or anybody. Uh, I think the prediction, if the Chiefs, or if the Titans were going to win this game... Derrick Henry would have had the 200-yard the rushing game, and the Titans saw that and said, you know what, nah, we're going to play action you to death, and just were hitting bombs all over the field off of the, off of the play fakes to Henry. So a, a pretty smart um, move there by the Titans. And then throughout the rest of the NFL, it was the week of blowouts. Nine out of the 12 games uh, that were played this weekend, uh, we can't speak to, to the Monday Night Football game, obviously, but nine of the 12 were decided by 10 points or more. Uh, so no, we, we knew it was an ugly week going in and it was an ugly week coming out. Uh, I turn to you guys now, any, any notes or games of interest this weekend in the NFL? Um, nothing too crazy. I will say just on the chiefs Titans, um, cause I, we're not going to do the more Monday morning radio hot topic or the chiefs dead, but correlated to the Ravens. And it goes to show you a team that you know, rely on a guy to get them out of almost every situation. And for two, almost call it three years, he has when needed. And this year he hasn't been able to, to the point where, I mean, let's call it what it is. Patrick Mahomes got scraped off of the field against the Tennessee Titans. It was, it was scary how he looked on one of those hits where his neck got snapped back really badly. Um, And just look, I think the Chiefs are not as good this season. Their defense is way too bad. And they're relying on Patrick Mahomes to do way too much. What does that sound like in the future? It's something to look at. That's all. I'll I'll put it there. You can do the math. One plus one equals two. The only other thing from this week, because I know we're running a bit long, as we tend to do, and this week, let's just call it what it is, sucked. Um, I do have to mention this. Tom Brady threw his 600th (laughs) NFL touchdown this year. Or this game, excuse me, this weekend. 600. Mike Evans gave the ball to a fan, and this was very dramatic, and everybody's like, oh, how could you not know that situation? Mike's in the middle of a game. He doesn't care about the records. Like, let's, let's calm down. An equipment guy came back, got the ball from um, said fan, and gave it back. I just want, we don't have to go too long on this. The details for what this fan is receiving for giving back the game ball 
have been have been released as we record this podcast. So I'm going to tell you, he gives back, remember, Tom Brady's 600th touchdown pass of all time. He gives this football back that Mike Evans gifted to him. He receives two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom Brady, a signed Mike Evans jersey and his game cleats. By the way, you don't need two Tom Brady jerseys because you're selling one of those. <laughs> uh, Mike Evans jersey signed and his game cleats. $1,000 credit to the team's store and two season passes for the remainder of this season as well as next season. The internet is killing this guy for giving up this ball. I think that's a pretty sweet deal. And by the way, the Hall of Fame is going to get that ball anyway. Like they're going to hunt you down. I mean, Roger might do some things, unspeakable things to you here that I'm not <laughs> going to say on a microphone so he doesn't do it to me. They're getting that ball back in, in, in some way, shape, or form. So to make out with this, I would rather like $1,000 in my pocket, especially with a new puppy now, rather than to the team store. I don't need more Ravens crap. But, I mean, if this is the Ravens, man, I'm taking this deal. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I probably – I didn't realize he got all that. Yeah, I saw people ripping the guy. I, I guess, yeah, you can – there's an opportunity to make a lot of money selling that ball uh, on the – on, you know, the web. Uh, and it was gifted to you, so it's your property at that point. But and there's nothing that makes you give it back. But I feel like I would personally give it back. Like, I don't know. That, it doesn't mean anything to me. Tom Brady's 600th <laughs> touchdown ball if they really want it. And then to get all that return from, like, my favorite team, like, that would seem pretty good. As you said, Tim, you could sell one of the side Tom Brady jerseys if you wanted. That would still fetch you a nice penny. And then you have, I don't know, if you're a Bucks fan and you have a side Tom Brady jersey, that seems pretty cool. So <laughs> Two of them. Two of them. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give the ball up. I, <laughs> I, I was a little, everyone was killing this guy, as you said, on Twitter. But I was like, I don't know. I, I I don't need it. I don't need the, like, I don't have the space to just have a ball sitting around. I guess I'd sell it, but, you know, I'd rather the people who it means something to have it than just some random guy on the internet. Uh, I have nothing personal to say against this guy, but uh, corporations can suck it, so (laughs) season ticks for life, full stop. That's the deal. It's that, all fair. about the passive income. Fair. <laughs> Keep the checks. You know, it, it, there's a there's a phrase for NBA players. The old guys that fill out the bench, they're oftentimes called uh, keep getting them checks, guys. And that's what I would be about in this particular situation where you have all the leverage uh, and you may never have an opportunity like this ever again. So you, you get the lifetime deal there. And uh, two tickets is fine. Doesn't have to be four, you know. You go to whatever games you want to, and then you uh, sell the rest of them year, year by year, and you see what they say to that. I, I have no idea what this actual uh, debate was like between the between the two parties, but uh, it's certainly harder to make a smart decision in like the heat of the moment than it is after after hindsight. So I think it's pretty good what he got. Um, but yeah, always just add for life to whatever thing you ask for <laughs> in, in those type of situations. Um Tim, what, you think pretty good? Pretty good? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did until you just said season tickets for life. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be like, it, like, let's say it's Lamar's 700th touchdown total. I would say, um, can I get a pick? And season tickets for life, please. Thank you very much. Sign on the yeah. dotted line here. That's that's your lesson for today. Th- to they the could listener. be upper deck. 
but yeah. I just got to be in the building. <laughs> I got to be in the building. I got to be at the bank, baby. I'm cashing checks eight to nine times a year. All right. Uh, one of the last things we want to talk about this week, we, we've touched on it a bit as we recap the Ravens-Bengals game, but I'm going to repeat it to Jace, really, because I think he's, of the three of us, he seems like the one who's the fuse is running the shortest. The Ravens are 5-2. and two. <laughs> It ties the best record they've ever had after seven games. We enter the bye. So I'm going to turn to you guys now with just a minute or two on uh, how you feel about this team looking at not just Sunday. You have to try to look beyond just the latest result, but with a team that had 800 guys hurt to start the season, uh, which was a season that at first was supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team where the expectations plummeted to, I have no idea how Lamar is going to survive uh, or get a first down. This team is now 5-2. and two. What grade, how do you feel about the team with, with the start? What grade would you give the team with uh, expectations of essentially, you know, the day of week one, basically? I, I'll, I'll, I'll toss out a B. I will give the Ravens a B. Um, because I agree. I think 5-2 and two, given the injuries, I will say. Certainly in the three years uh, probably we've been doing this show, this was the season I entered with the least expectations given the injury situation. I kind of entered the 2021 season thinking the Ravens are not a Super Bowl contender. And then I got very intrigued by a 5-1 and one start uh, and then had my whole world unravel in a brief Sunday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but overall, you know, I think, I think it has been a, a pretty successful season to this point. I think the B comes from the clear issues from the guys who are still there, the guys we expected to take leaps and haven't, your Patrick Queens, uh, for example, um, some struggles by Marlon Humphrey. He hasn't been great all like for large stretch, like certain games this season by his own standards, I would say. Um, but I think we've also seen the leap from Lamar in the offense. And as we talked about, the weapons are really intriguing. Um, and at a certain point, there's only so much you can do with the line. It's not really anyone's fault, like, that Ronnie Stanley played one game and his ankle, like, was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Like, it kind of, it just happens. Um, and it's no one's fault that Patrick McCarry got hurt uh, <laughs> on Sunday and, uh, you know, on down the line that they're on their third string tackle and eighth running back and their running backs are all guys who made the 2015 pro bowl team like that's no one's fault so i will give a b i think they've done a really good job overall um but uh, certainly the Bengals game i thought was a poor effort from the coaches on down um but big picture i think it's pretty impressive to be at five and two some of the wins they've gotten were big the chiefs game to finally kind of get that monkey off your back the colts comeback was huge one of the biggest in ravens history um so yeah Big picture, I think it's been a good season. Um, I just don't know what it will ultimately culminate in, which I think was the source of my existential dread earlier. But um, yeah, it's so to this point, it's been good. And I think the bye week comes at a good time to regroup, figure some stuff out on the coaching side, because that's going to who be who has to do it down the stretch. Because the personnel is what it is. I don't see them making a big move here at the trade deadline. Um, so, yep. Uh, B. Uh, I'll, even though I'll go as high as a B plus, I guess. But I, I think it's been impressive. But there's certainly work to do on the coaching side to try to help the personnel you have. I am going to go A minus. I'm going to go in the A category for me. Um, the Ravens are five and two. The Ravens have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Lamar Jackson has taken the next step. 
and I know the Chiefs are the Chiefs now, whatever. That was a monkey off the back. They've shown they can come back in big moments. They beat Denver away. I know, Denver's not who they used to be. I'm, I'm being positive for once, damn it. Justin Tucker breaks a record for the longest NFL field goal. They have given us maximum entertainment value. Now, whether it's going to kill us earlier in life, yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's maximum entertainment value. But for me, the Ravens sit at 5-2. and two. As, as Antonio mentioned, they have never been 6-1. and one. They lost a fluky game to the Raiders and then got blown out by a clearly good team in the Bengals. And watching Lamar take that next step, and based on the expectations of what I had going in, as Jace mentioned, they weren't great after the myriad of injuries. To be sitting here at 5-2 and two entering the bye week, A-. minus. The reason it's a minus is because the games get incredibly hard starting late November. So for those of you that don't know, I'll do this very quickly. After the bye, it's home to the Vikings, Dolphins away on Thursday night in Baltimore South, or insert other away team here South, and the Bears away on a 1 o'clock. It then goes Browns home, Steelers away, Browns away, Packers home, Bengals away, tough game now, Rams home, Steelers home. (laughs) Every single one of those games, the last seven, seven games in your season, in a 17-game season, almost half of those games are all tough in a row with an injury-depleted team. That's why the minus is there, because the existential dread is going to set in for Tim. It might set in a little bit later than it has for Jace, but I have a feeling around early December it's going to set in because of what's coming up for this Ravens team. Uh, bump to all that, Tim. That was I. First of all, I'm happy. For, I'm happy for you, and I'm happy for me that you gave the Ravens an A minus because I completely agree that Chiefs game was a big deal for this team this year in a potential playoff game next year. I don't care that the Chiefs are now three and four. That was an important game for for this franchise to win. They've taken care of a couple of teams. They've come back in multiple situations would be lovely to get strong starts in games outside of the Chargers game, which I maintain is an important win for this team. They have the bye. Uh, boy, I would love to win those first three games that you mentioned off the bye, Tim. Vikings, Dolphins, Bears. Be 8-2 and two, and then deal with that whole mess and try to win a couple of them. You know what? Yep. We can hope that... Uh, the Steelers are, are still bad by those games. We can hope that the Browns look iffy. And the Baker Mayfield, who knows what's going on with that guy's shoulder. That seems to get worse and worse every day. Or just his level of play. Even that. <laughs> Let's get him healthy for those games, Tim. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd give him an A-, based on expectations, based on the injuries. And you're absolutely right. Again, Lamar Jackson has taken steps that we have not seen yet. He's still 24 years old. It's very exciting. The future of this team is... Lamar, Hollywood, Bateman, Andrews uh, as an offensive core, which is scary in terms of what the Ravens have had offensively for their 25-year history. So I like where this team is at. It is tough to have this big loss before the bye, but J.C., you mentioned this earlier. It You go into the bye examining your flaws as opposed to, uh, I don't know, peacocking at 6-1. At and one. So... I'm glad that they have two weeks to to figure some things out and hopefully hit their stride for those first three games 
that will be winnable games uh, as they look to get another postseason berth this year. Guys, it's gambling time. There's no Ravens pick to make, uh, so it's a it's a less emotional week, perhaps, which is good for me because I have picked the Ravens wrong seemingly every week, whether they win or lose. <laughs> oh, and two last week, I had them covering and I had them in a tease, so that was a disaster for me. But we will fight on, and by the end of the season, I will have a winning record in the gambling slot. So I'm gonna have three picks this week. The Titans are a good football team. They have playmakers at many positions. The Colts, I don't think, are a good football team. And they won a game against the 49ers because it was pouring all game. The Titans go to Indianapolis as one-point favorites. That's it. I'm taking the Titans. They're going to win that division. I had them for the over. I believe their number was nine wins for the year. I hammered that that over in our preseason episode. They're going to win the division. They've already beaten the Colts earlier this year. They're going to beat them again. Very simple. Titans minus one. The Dallas Cowboys have been another superstar team to kick off this season. They are two and a half point favorites at Minnesota. I don't really care about Minnesota. I care that Dallas, a field goal wins that bet for me. If it was three, if it was three and a half, I'd be hesitating. But it's minus two and a half. Dallas takes care of business. They keep rolling. They win that by three points. And then I'm going to offer up another tease. And this is where the Jets come into play, so I, I, you know, I, don't know what, I don't know what to do now, but I'm taking a six-point tease for these three teams. The Chargers, they are hosting New England, and I think New England has a big case of look at how good they looked against a horrendous team, and now they have to play a good team coming off of their bye. I think the Chargers have had two weeks to prepare for this game. They're at home, so I'm putting them in a tease. I'm moving their line to Chargers plus a half, half a point. They just have to beat the Patriots at home, and you get that in the tease. I'm taking Cincinnati. I'm moving the line to minus three and a half for the Bengals. They showed me a lot in Baltimore, and I don't know what the heck the Jets are going to do. I I guess Mike White is starting, and the listener, I can tell you, you don't know who Mike White is. You have no idea who this guy is. Take the Bengals minus three and a half. It's either him or Flacco with all of 72 hours to understand a new playbook. And then Tampa Bay, they beat mediocre to bad teams. They beat them by a lot. They're playing New Orleans. They're in uh, in New Orleans next week. I'm moving that line to Tampa Bay plus one, guys. All Tampa Bay has to do is win, and you hit, you take that T. So it's Chargers plus half a point. Cincy minus three and a half, and then Tampa Bay plus one. Three-point tees. That gets you plus money. A $100 bet gets you $160. So we're going 3-0 and this week, and I'll be back next week to talk about it. 3-0 <laughs> every week, Antonio. Uh, I am with you on the Titans. Uh, minus one at the Colts. I will say this definitely screams to me of the fishy line of the week. Um, it doesn't make sense. This is a Titans team that just hammered the Kansas City Chiefs 27-3. That defeated the Buffalo Bills, uh, two of what you would think, certainly coming into the season, you would have said were the two top teams of the AFC entering the season. The Titans have beat them in consecutive weeks and now play a division rival in a game. You know, the Colts have been playing better, but they can effectively win the AFC South this week if they beat the Colts. Like, they'll put a big distance in between them. So I would think the Titans are going to be geared up to play for that one. So I am also taking the Titans. I'm very prepared for the Colts to win by 20. Um, another, another line I am... Uh, picking. Uh, I'm going two plus odds, uh, friends. I am going the Detroit Lions. Oh, here we plus go. Plus three against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles stink. 
The Lions have to win a game. They showed so much heart, Antonio. <laughs> they had multiple. They had two fake punts. They onside kicked, and they only lost by nine. They covered that spread against the Rams. Jace, that's one way to look at it. Or you could say they converted all of these plays and still lost by nine points. Yeah, but the Eagles stink. That's what you're not getting, Antonio. The Eagles are bad. Um... So, uh, the Eagles, by the way, Raiders beat them. Raiders are my only winner the last two weeks. I've been with you on the Ravens, struggling to pick the Ravens uh, train lately. Um, So, I'm going with the Detroit Lions. They have to win a game. They can't go (laughs) 0-17. They just can't. And then uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going AFC North plus 3.5 against the Cleveland Browns. I did, as we mentioned... Very unknown, the status of Baker Mayfield. They've had 10 days off. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger own the Cleveland Browns. I don't care that he can't throw a five-yard pass. I think the Steelers find a way to win this game because they are the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's, they're annoying. That's what they do. They are, they're coming off a bye. I trusted Mike Tomlin far more than I trust the Cleveland Browns. So I'm picking the Steelers. So you don't get the Steelers plus odds much at a plus three and a half on the road. I certainly think they can at least lose by three or less. <laughs> so I'm picking the Steelers. This is my final pick of the week. So last week I went 2-0. and uh, Had the Giants plus three and Cincy plus six and a half. Um, I did say that I hated every single game last week. And then I like to pick pretty much the Sunday game, sometimes the Monday. I always forget the Thursday. Just on my own, just for fun against the spread. And I went eight and three outside of the Monday Night Football game. So clearly I actually liked what was going on and just didn't know it on the Monday as we record. Um, For me, Green Bay plus six on Thursday Night Football away to the Arizona Cardinals is tasty. Now, Devontae Adams is out with COVID. That was announced on Monday. That's why that line shot up. But that something tells me, I know he is like a massive factor, but something about that, everybody's on that Arizona team. You're giving six points to Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to make it an official pick, but something to look at. My official picks. The Dallas Cowboys to not screw up on Sunday night football. (laughs) Away to the Minnesota Vikings. They're only getting, or it's two and a half point favorites. I know this, the Cowboys love screwing games up like this, but I think this is a different Cowboys. I think these Cowboys are good. Unless something weird happened over the bye, who knows? Give me Dallas minus two and a half. Give me Tampa Bay minus five away to New Orleans. Tampa Bay is better than New Orleans. I, I'm not. I don't know how the Monday night game is going to go. Again, it's you, you will know when you listen to this. But it, it looks like a total crapshoot to me. And Tampa is just good. They beat up on bad, uh, worse teams than them. And I think minus five is even away in New Orleans, division opponent. I know. Give me Tampa. And then I can't quit Dan Campbell either, Jace. <laughs> I love the fighting kneecaps and the Detroit Lions. The, you nailed it. The Eagles stink. They just traded away Joe Flacco. What are they doing? That's the future of their franchise. Everybody knows it. Detroit plus three. They're winning a game. They got to win a game for Dan. They're fighting for mighty Dan Campbell, MCDC. This is the game they do it. At home, Ford Field's going to be rocking. Detroit Dan and the boys are going to be ready to go. Detroit plus three away, or at home, excuse me, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Come on, Dan Campbell. And then they can lose all the rest of their games. But you got to win one. You got to win one. I just pulled this up just out of, out of curiosity. Uh, NFL teams against the spread this season. Detroit, 4-3 and three against the spread. Yes, so, uh, he is a winning football coach, ATS. <laughs> winning football coach is Dan Campbell. Don't forget. And, and then the fascinating one, well, I should say Dallas, 
six and zero against the spread. So Tim, I enjoy that both of us have have them this week, and then Arizona and Green Bay going mano a mano. They are both six and one against the spread. So uh, if you're looking at at potential value there, the Packers certainly getting a lot of points if they can uh, move the ball on the ground and then to all those random receivers that we've. Never heard of until Aaron Rodgers throws them three touchdown passes. <laughs> Some opportunities there. Also, if you want to just take the Packers, Tim, any interest in the Packers straight up in that game? Because the odds of that are going to be tasty considering Green Bay has looked fantastic over you know over the past six weeks. I think the odds are like plus 250 or plus 225, and you're taking a good team to, to win a game on the red. I'm just saying, just offering that It's up. It's tough because Devontae Adams just so important. It, they literally just play the throw Devontae, any, throw the ball anywhere near Devontae Adams and he'll come down with it offense sometimes. And missing that is going to be, is going to be tough. I don't know if it's just Arizona Cardinals being the Arizona Cardinals and their jerseys kind of look like they were made in like a Madden 2004 create a team. <laughs> I don't necessarily believe in them quite yet. I love Kyler Murray. I love the offense. I like I like all the pieces, but then together as a team, I'm still like they're not they're, like they're they're good. They're they're a playoff team, but I don't know if they're like one of the best teams in the NFL good yet, but you know, that could be biases. I'm fully willing to admit that. It's interesting. If it gets up any higher, I think that's when you might have to just sprinkle a little bit on the money line and then also pick them against the spread just in case. Chase, last thing to do is go over the random Raven one more time. Uh, can you give us those clues, please? Yes, sir. Um, so this player was drafted by the Ravens in the second round of the 2009 NFL Draft. The Utah product spent four seasons in Baltimore, but made just nine starts, two of those in the playoffs. He was, however, fairly productive in that time, recording 15 and a half sacks and two interceptions uh, in the regular season. The 2012 season was by far his best in Baltimore, though, as he led the team with nine sacks and had four and a half more sacks in four playoff games as the Ravens went on to win Super Bowl 47. Then finally, this player, who wore number 99 throughout his career, signed a five-year, $40 million deal with the Browns following that 2012 campaign, but he played just three more seasons, with, or played just three seasons with the Browns before one final season with the New Orleans Saints before calling it a career after the 2016 season. Um, so Antonio, I think we both have it. So if you don't mind real quickly, I do want to shout out, um, Rory B on Twitter nailed Billy Badgema. At least that's what he said. He said, I got the random Raven super quick. So congrats to you, Rory. That was, I, you know, I, I, I was the one who did it, but I think it was one of our tougher ones. Um, Jace, this one is not Paul Kruger is the answer here <laughs> and not, not, nothing on you. Cause yeah. it's getting oh, thin. Yeah. The, it's definitely getting thin here. I understand it completely, but, uh, Paul Kruger is the random Raven this week. I was in Baltimore on Sunday, actually, because I went to watch the game with my grandmother. Shout out, Grandma! Oh yeah, probably one of our, one of our you know top listeners, as all of our grandmothers tend to be. Uh, and on the drive, I I dared turn on the radio, and I had some local Baltimore sports talk radio going and they were talking about Paul Kruger. He came up during their t- and he it came up in like a positive way and I thought that was very odd. They were trying to f- they were describing the Ravens pass rushers and how they needed somebody to be like a Paul Kruger. And it was, it was I had to, you know, turn it back to like smooth jazz or something as I was uh did you almost your car go creating into a barricade on 695 like what? Yeah, it's Jace, the car signed a terrible deal somewhere else for the team and uh it ended up 
working only well for the player. Uh, yeah. But that is that is he, a rent. Yeah. What's he, well, he did manage. Kruger managed eleven sacks his first year with the Browns, which I had no recollection of him hitting that height. But uh, yeah, I would think on the radio they'd want to to have the next uh, Terrell Suggs perhaps on the team, or maybe even the next Elvis Doomerville. <laughs> right. I, I, so maybe the expectation. They, you know, they want to have too high. Yeah. That's like, well, let's just have a guy who gets nine sacks. <laughs> Oh boy, Paul Kruger. He had one move, if I remember, too. He did the like jump, hop, step, and then the two hard, the two hand swipe in one direction or the other. Anyway, that, that's a that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic. That's enough chase. on Paul Kruger, guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we will be back next. The Ravens are not back next week. We will be back next week to talk about their upcoming matchups, talk about the rest of the NFL, uh, and try to breathe a little bit when we have some separation from from this latest Bengals game. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey. And for Siri, I am Antonio Weber. Thank you for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.